the game against Honduras right now. It's 3-1 in the 85th minute. How do you think this game's gone? It's fucking amazing. Sorry for the language, but... Oh my, oh my! Let's go, Canada. Let's go, Canada. Uh, some big goals here. Uh, little miss of a PK from Kyle Aaron, but Jonathan David made sure he finished it up, and we just got it on! Let's go! By our boy, Oso! Oso! Welcome back to the Red Patch Boys podcast. That was the inaugural voice note in the stands at the Canada versus Honduras Nations League game, of which Peter and I got to watch together and thought, you know, we should we should try and make these games come to life on the podcast. And that just so happened to be when Osorio scored. Uh, so I thought it would be very poetic to be joined today by Peter. Peter Pekachian, vice president, friend of the pod, podcaster, drummer, all-around amazing human being. How are you, Peter? I'm doing great. How are you, Ken? I'm good. What What do you think of our first uh, ever voice note? It was pretty epic. I can't lie. I was. Uh, it, it's interesting the timing. Exactly like you said. It was great timing, and it had to be our two boys from Toronto FC, Akinola and Osorio linking up together to get a goal from also in the 86 minute. It was a perfect, perfect moment. I I absolutely loved it. We were we were a bit higher up in the stands than where we usually are in our section. So I actually had a pretty good view, although they did score into the north end. Doesn't take away from, I would like to think, pretty good timing on our end for recording that. Um, and uh, congratulations to Canada during the international window. Although TFC have played two games uh, by the time we record this podcast, uh, we have had Canada qualify for the Nations League final, uh, and they're going to be playing in Las Vegas come June, and I believe they play Costa Rica? Uh, is it Panama or Costa Rica? Oh, my God. Oh, it could be Panama. It could be Panama. Panama. The Panama flags versus, are very close. Uh, I think Costa Rica, South America. So that makes more sense. So, um, yeah, so good good for them. But uh, we're going to focus, obviously, on the boys in red today. Um, and we pick up uh, having played two road games. Uh, and we begin our journey on, and again, they've traveled quite a ways <laughs> for this road trip. But we start this trip on the West Coast in San Jose with a nil-nil draw with five starters missing due to injury or international duties. Uh, I, I don't think we had much of an expectation on this game. Um, if I listened back to the last podcast, I don't think any of us even made a, um, a prediction, which is poetic, again, because it was a nil-nil draw. Uh, Peter, you, you want to break this game down for me? Um, the game was... I think we should all say, like, an MLS null. It was... Nil nil. Um, I think our boys on the red side, especially with eight players missing, uh, five players going out for international, three injuries. It, it was a plus result for us, I guess. Like looking at it, it's what oh, we're missing. What four members from our starting lineup? Um, that's huge. Oso, Larea, uh, Mark Anthony K, as well as Akinola. It's huge. Uh, and we go into San Jose that was doing well at home. And watching the game, it was pure attack from St. Louis. We had maybe a couple of good chances, but all in all, it was all San Jose the whole game. And we had a great back line. Sean John kept us in the game as usual. He's been doing that pretty much uh, consistently now for us. And that was a back-to-back -back, uh, clean sheet for us, technically, with a 0-0 tie. Yeah, I, I think I like road points. However they come, I'm going to take road points. This game um, in MOS is one of attrition. It's what can you steal on the road and you win at home. Um, 
you know, we, we've had more home games than we have ever had, I think, this early in a season. Um, but but to go away and, and take a point should always be a good thing. Um, now, this game is weird because I feel like we were outplayed, but we definitely grew into the game. We, we got lucky in the beginning not to concede. Um, with with uh, Jandre Kerr maybe kind of st- maybe stealing a, a half chance shortly after Charlotte almost scored on the back door in the first ten minutes of the match, but it was a pretty bogged down game. Um, Bernadeschi tried to take the ball on a lot and 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 create chances, but all in all, we we really do struggle to create clear cut chances that put us in a position to score where we said, hey, we actually left chances go missing. I don't think we have many chances here. Um, look, just looking at the stats, uh, we had a good passing percentage, about 86% and 54% possession. Might be the first time all season we've outpossessed a team, but they won the ball a lot more and they were overall, I think, a better team on the pitch. But you typically expect that from a home team. Uh, we, we we went out there and, and hoped to, to do uh, a job, but the big star for me in that game was Jaquil Marshall Ruddy coming into the lineup and really dominating on that right wing, being a little firecracker and probably the brightest spot for me um, within the match. Uh, what what are your initial thoughts now, seeing Marshall Ruddy come in and do really well in this game? Uh, because we're going to talk a little bit about the, the home game against uh, Charlotte in a minute, but uh, what do you yeah. think Marco, Marshall Ruddy thinks of himself coming out of this game? I, I agree. He was given that opportunity, right? Lorea's pretty much put down his stake, his pull down for the right back until the loan is over and we're not sure what's going to happen after that. But he had, he put his name out there, Ruddy, and he showed up. He played great. He had the ball movement with Bernadeschi on the right. Uh, great defensive plays by Ruddy. This is what we were looking for in Ruddy for the past, I would say, year since last season when uh, Bob Bradley was putting ready on that right wing, uh, right back. And, hey, I'm happy to be wrong that he has some potential, which is great to hear. Um, I hope it's consistently going out for the next few weeks or wherever game he's going to be playing on the right or wherever position he's going to play. I hope he shows all the people that have doubted him in the, uh, on the team or in the fans. So hopefully he does well continuously. Yeah, you know, we... We like to see these young players coming up. Victor Vasquez had his longest stint um, on the pitch for TFC yet this season, playing 73 minutes uh, before being replaced by friend of the pod, Cozy Thompson. We also saw Kobe Franklin come into the game, who I'm liking. I, I think he's he's you know made us some tough stuff. Um, and also Hugo Mbongu came on for DeAndre Curtin at the end of the game. So three very young players making appearances on the game. And I, I think a bit more of, effective substitutions from Bob Bradley this time to close out a game. Uh, The 46th, 73rd, and 81st minute versus San Jose, who made a change in the 59th, and then a double change in the 76th minute. Um, But as I said, I think we we grew into this game a bit um, and and ground out um, a nil-nil draw. So I wouldn't say drop points here. I think, if anything, that was the approach that uh, Bob's, uh, Bob's team really had here. But I think for this pod, I want to focus more on the home game against Charlotte FC. Now, I was away for this home game. I I took a little uh, staycation out of the city with family. But I I did watch this game, which started really, really well. Uh, But I think, as you you, you put it in our our group chat, a tale of two halves. A 2-2 draw at home to Charlotte FC, who are basement dwellers. This is the team I think everyone should beat, especially at home. I can't describe this match in any other way other than dropped points. Despite yeah. the weather, and the weather will come into a debate here, but uh, this is dropped points for me. Peter, what are your thoughts initially on this 2-2 draw? Uh, we took advantage of that wind. My gosh, the wind from the north heading down to the south, it was atrocious. I was capoing at least for the first half and I wasn't feeling much of the wind. I just saw my uh, fellow fan, uh, fellow uh, members in 112, 111, 113, 114, all the guys on the south end 
um, their faces were red, and I just didn't know because it was hitting the back of my neck. And it, it, you can see in the game when you watch it, the ball was, when it was getting cleared out, it was really coming back towards the south, which helped us, right? So we had the pressure nonstop. I, I'm trying to remember how many corners we had. At one point, we had a stint of like seven corners back to back, and that yeah. was because Bernadeschi or Cervania were using that win to our advantage by curling it in as high as possible, and it would just curl towards the net. Right or a hit off someone's head, which was a good advantage, and it helped us out for sure. It's just the second half that was when the ball was coming towards our end now, and we were defending, and it seemed like Charlotte took advantage of the wind on their half. And it, it is a game of two halves. There's a reason you change ends, right? To take any, you know, perceived advantage, whether that be sun, wind, heat, home, you know, home fans. You know, there is a, a balance to this. And TFC in the first half definitely took 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 as much advantage as they could have. We we had 10 corners in the match to Charlotte seven. Um, uh, and and that's that's, I think, a good sign that we maybe leveraged the wind a bit more effectively. But we didn't possess the ball as much. We actually got out possessed at home 53 to 46. That's not leaps and bounds, but in a match where you're leading two nothing, we should have put our foot on their neck. We should have stamped this game out. We scored in the, I think it was the fifth minute on that first corner, which mm-hmm. was historic. This was a Olympico, and if you don't know what an Olympico is, an Olympico is when you score from a corner directly. No one touches the ball. The, the the corner kick taker, in this case, Bernadeschi, curled it up and over the goalkeeper into a net that didn't have anyone on the back post, which to me is absolutely <laughs> shocking, considering the conditions. That just goes to show you how disorganized this Charlotte team is, right? Like, how did we not take more advantage of that? Um, Mark Anthony Kay was right there. I think if it did fall short of the net, he maybe taps that in or, or heads it in. He's He's been quite effective with that this year. Him and uh, Bernadeschi have really connected well, but uh, all the all credit to Bernadeschi on scoring that one. He he did have a couple of howlers, I think, in, uh, later in the game when he tried to maybe do it again. But um, this was a great start for TFC. Score early, you've got the wind at your back, but we did the typical thing again where we almost throw away a lead instantly. Eight minutes, sorry, three minutes later, in the eighth minute. Charlotte are able to play a ball into the middle of the pitch where Mark Anthony Kay and Jaquiel Marshall-Reddy can't figure out who's going to go and get the ball. Neither of them go for it, which allows, I think it's Copetti, to to actually walk in and take a shot that just curled wide to the post. It was just silly to let Charlotte come back into this game where that led to two more goal-scoring chances right away. Right, they had sustained pressure for a couple minutes there, where it did look like they could score on us. Now the, we eventually got control again, and it was very difficult for Charlotte to get out of their end. But we didn't really do much until at the end of the half, where we again took advantage of a corner with uh, young Bradley Michael there uh, headed in uh, another goal of the season. He's got I think two on the season now. Um, it, it's a good goal. I think it's a well taken goal. You know. Front post corner, glancing header into the net, slight you know touch on the the defender to get the goal, goes to VAR, um, but uh, they eventually rule it a goal. Great two nothing uh, lead should have been three. We actually had a goal called back for VAR, where I would say a very mild amount of contact occurred between I think it was Roasted and Marks, uh, the keeper for Charlotte. I think that's a goal all day, Peter. What what's your your stance on this, uh, having gone back and rewatched it? Yeah, I was I was completely shocked. It was I'm a keeper myself. Of course I protect the keepers. In this case, I don't see it being we touched the keeper or obstructed his um his space or made him not be able to save that. That was complete miss by the keeper and he flopped like as usual what someone would do if they're trying to get out of the pickle. He almost got scored on again from a corner. And he he wanted to – he realized that there's a TFC player in the way, and he sort of used that flop, sort of bang off of the player, and flopped on the floor, and it was called back. It's unfortunate. 
it would have been a nice uh, three-goal lead going into the half and would have been really good, um, I would say, some good uh, omen on corners because we haven't been good on set pieces in the past. No. Now we're slowly getting better and better, I guess, because we have some height. We've got some good players that can service the ball from the corners. It's helping. So hopefully after even the two games that we've had this past game with the two goals, hopefully it's going to be good positive for the team. For sure. Yeah. I, I'm sad we didn't get more goals in this first half. Honestly, we, we really should have been able to put more past this keeper. He was rattled. You could see uh, after that Olympico, he, he's in his head. Those corners were, were probably his most vulnerable position. And we did see that, you know, that, that called off goal VAR, um, an example of that. He's six foot one. He's tall, but not the biggest goalkeeper. You know, he's he's a small person in terms of you know size and a young keeper. We we should have done more, in my opinion, here with a home game. So chances go wanting, but we're we're a team I think that's lacking a out and out striker who can finish goals. Yeah. Um, Akinola had a chance to bury a rebound for Bernadeschi, and he put it right back into the keeper. Anywhere but at him, you know, would have resulted in a goal. So. Coming out of that that first half, two nothing had me feeling good, and obviously in hindsight, we we should have done more with it because tail two halves, we we switched ends and we begin to to struggle. Um, now Charlotte immediately uh, scores uh, at the start of the second half, fifty first minute. Benjamin Bender scores a goal here. Now this, from what I was reading. It was a, a built-up play. This is what Charlotte's trying to do with this more advanced formation with overloading the wing and creating these these streaking runs into the box to throw off defenders. But when the ball is cut back into the TFC box, I, I've got to point out, unfortunately, after having such a good game in San Jose, Jaquiel Marshall Ruddy, I know these things happen fast and you can look at the replay, but the anticipation's not there. He's got to be able to see the danger zone and step into that gap and and stamp out an opportunity, at least get a body in the way because Bender just walks in and, and, and hits a shot on net and Sean Johnson has absolutely no chance to score it uh, and immediately lets them back into a game where you know you're going to be defending for the majority of the second half. And, and this really frustrated me, um, really took the wind out of our sails. What, what did it do into the energy of the stadium, having been scored on so quickly in the second half? It silenced the half uh, for sure we started out with a pretty strong second half with all the south going loud and all of a sudden that goal was right in front of us because they were scoring on our end on the south end and it sort of silenced us we we're like oh not again because we saw the pressure we saw the pressure keep going keep going keep going and we're like oh i hope it's not because of the wind or like is the first half was it just because of that that's that's the reason why we were doing well now charlotte's going to take advantage of it and it happened, and it was unfortunate. What were you going to do? Hopefully we can hold it off, a 2-1, or at least score on a counter, because we were sitting way too deep. Unfortunately, Ruddy, um, I'm not, uh, I wouldn't say he did bad. He had some couple of uh, mishaps on uh, in the game, for sure. I think he's looking at multiple different things at the same time. He's not just focusing on that one thing, like at this case was, he was looking at someone else to cover while this one was right for him for 50-50 ball. He should have gone in all the way. It was outside the box. If anything, draw a foul and let's go on from there from a free kick. With the wind, I probably would have taken a free kick but over then taking a free shot at net. And then the same thing happened with the second goal you're going to be mentioning is Ruddy didn't close off uh, the winger. Um, I'm not sure he gave so much space and he literally let um, him walk in, walk in, walk in closer and closer and closer and had a clear shot at net. And I think Ruddy was just focusing on other people behind him to make sure they're covered while trying to defend the person in front of him, which is unfortunate. I hope this is just a small uh, blimp in his, uh, career, his uh, decision-making for defense, but I see those are the small things that I knew from before and a lot of people have said that he might not be the right wing back that we need he might be more of an attack minded person which is totally fine that's i can't blame him that's his position i know bob bradley thinks he can play uh wing back but we're not sure yet yeah it'll take more discipline 
it'll take coaching. We we saw something similar with, you know, Kosey Thompson making some great runs forward last year, but again, perhaps struggling with a bit more of the defensive organization uh, required to, to defend at the MLS level. Um, I think Marshall Ruddy earned the start after the San Jose mm-hmm. game. Probably our best player in that match. I'm not going to hold it against him here. We, you know, these young players are learning and they have to learn fast, but would I have preferred perhaps a Petretta back there? Maybe, you know, maybe even brought him on earlier uh, for the second half. But I, again, I'm not an MLS level coach. Uh, this is just a really tough, a tough way to concede when a player's got all the time in the world to deliver a ball into a box with the wind at his back. It's pretty much like getting a free, free kick. And, you know, Joswiak, who's not known for scoring, apparently, uh, was able to just latch onto the, the you know, the, the bottom of that cross and, and, you know, take a very fortuitous bounce up and over a sprawled out Sean Johnson, who must have been absolutely livid, right? You're doing everything 100%. you can to be a, a defensively sound keeper. And, and to have that free ball dropped into your box in no man's land, it, it makes my, my skin crawl. Um, so again, this is not good enough. That's really just not good enough from this team uh, to let them happen. So frustrating uh, from Marshall Ruddy here. Um, lowest lowest score on the uh, on the match day on who scored it uh, for us, which is unfortunate considering he hit the highest score against San Jose. But um, you know, leaps and bounds from from where we've seen from him. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I just need to figure out where Bob fits him into the starting eleven if we've got Larea, Rosted, Hedges, and Patreta in the back four. And I feel like uh, Larea playing on the left side, it lost that um, that sting with Larea and Bernadeschi on the right. Um, Ruddy and Bernadeschi don't have that same um, same partnership yet as Larea and Bernadeschi, and we were missing that on the right side. Bernadeschi was playing on the left side. I know he's been play- he was playing with Oso on the left, but Oso's not really a natural left winger, so he was lost. Like Larea's forward moving was lost in this move by having Ruddy on the right side. I know that it's because of Petretta did get injured at the end of San Jose game. So it might be just a precautionary. I know he was off the bench and he came on in the second half, but I think I can just feel like it was more of a precautionary thing. Let's not get more injuries. As we all know, we have so many injuries on our team. Um, just brought him in and played Ruddy because he played well in the, the game before. So I can see why he put Larea on the left, but it just seems like we lost Larea's um, explosiveness, putting him on the left side and not having him link up with Brindeski as often as we want. Yeah, tough to interpret this game. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think TFC obviously should have gotten the three points. Yeah. I think we looked good at times, but we look good in this game because mm-hmm. of our corners, <laughs> because we went up 2-0 <laughs> from those set pieces. But in open field play, I think we're still we're still struggling to get really great goals. And this is an example of not being able to adapt to our opponent at home. Yeah. So drop points for sure. But it's not all doom and gloom, Peter. You you introduced a very, very in, interesting stat today to mm-hmm. me. You want to talk through, you know, what we should think of with TFC at one win, four draws, and and, and one loss? Um, I would say let's not lose hope. Um, our good friend in at the King, uh, from Kings of the North, Mike Newell, he tweeted something, and I looked into it a bit more. Uh, 2017, our championship, uh, our domestic treble year, we had one four and one in that season, and it was two home games, uh, four away games, and we had one four and one. So we're not too off from what we started, what, is that six years ago? So we can't say we've lost hope. However, after the 2017, we went on, a, after that 2017 start of 1-4-1, one, one, we went on a seven-win, one-tie after those eight games. So maybe we're going to be winning on this weekend, but we're not sure yet because we're going to be playing a tough team in Nashville. But um, we need to start looking forward and not just looking at this as a negative start. Uh, we've had some unfortunate mishap with the injuries, our key player being injured the whole, like pretty much almost all season. Um, we've had our the international break that MLS doesn't like to take. So that caught us missing some players. 
some of our bench players that we brought in to cover our injuries have not been able to play either because they've been sick or injured as well. So our, uh, hopefully everyone's going to start showing up this week uh, Nashville. I haven't seen any reports on anyone missing out of practice yet. I think Insigne is still out for another two to three games, they said. So I can I can feel he's going to start coming back in May. I don't think I don't see him coming back in April. Um, on that, let's hope we can uh, turn it into a 2017 season with this start with one four and one. Hey, we're on the MOS Cup final. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure this team's ready for that, but it is something to be optimistic about. It's definitely um, cup half full versus cup half empty. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this the same team? Obviously not, but you look at these matches. The loss to DC hurts the most, but chalk that up to the you know first game of the season. You boil, you know, tempers got high, you know, blood got a little hot. We got a little, you know, out of our heads and and, and blew a lead. We win that game, you know, we're undefeated. Yeah, I know it sounds silly, but they're undefeated, right? Even if we only had one win, and and you know five draws, you're still undefeated. That puts you in a very good position. We win that game, two wins and four draws. You're you're looking pretty good. I, I know you know saw some comments from some people. Well, you know we played more road games in 2017 versus you know having more home games or even home and away in in, in 2023. I say listen, <laughs> beggars can't be choosers here. We we obviously are going to have to win some tough games on the road, uh, yeah. but we 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 have done what we could against a very good Atlanta. Um, you know, Columbus crew, you know, getting their way up there. You know, we beat a, a week into Miami. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, the biggest, you know, kick in the teeth right now, if we look at this schedule, would be, again, that draw at home against Charlotte where we blew the lead. We're blowing leads. If we can stop conceding goals, we're, we're going to win more games. I think that's the biggest optimism I have is that we're not having to come out of nowhere to try and win a game. We're, we're just not we're just not staying organized after scoring. So things we can fix. And, and the one thing is, is I know Charlotte right now is one of the bottom teams in the league in the conference, uh, at the second last, but they've had a pretty tough schedule to start. They've had a hot St. Louis, pretty hot Atlanta United, an always good team in New England to start the season. And they drew out with uh, New York Red Bull. So they haven't had an easy schedule. So I can see the standings being a little bit deflated with like people saying, Oh, it's Charlotte. We beat them last year. And this year we're just going to beat them again. But Hey, they've had a tough season and a tough start to the season as well. And that's why they're at the bottom. We've been, we've been fortunate enough to at least pull off some draws and some points instead of losses. So I would take this with the positivity and let's turn it on from now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's better than, than, than being where Montreal is. <laughs> It's, you know, it, it's <laughs> better than promise, being right? where, you know, Colorado is. Uh, so let's yep. let's let's be happy about not being in the bottom of the basement here. Uh, but obviously, six matches in is a very small sample size. We've been saying it nearly every podcast. So forgive us for sounding like a broken recording. But we're right beside Philadelphia. Philadelphia is the same amount of points than us. One extra win. And Philly should be top of the league. Right. They, they are a good team. Not much has changed for them. Uh, year over year, considering their their form last year. So, if you're willing to take a team that got 67 points last year and drop them down to where they are now, and Montreal does even worse, going from second to lead last, long way to go, long way to go. So, with that, we we won't get into the you know Bradley out. You know, we're we're gonna move on to some questions from <laughs> from uh, from Instagram uh, from our uh, our audience. You. Um, I'll read one of the new one uh, here, Peter. So I'm going to read this one from sure. Buff with four Fs. <laughs> the question is, what are our thoughts on someone joining the supporters club, but still always sitting in their own seats? I say all the power to you. We are a community. You don't have to be in the stands on match day to be a part of Red Patch. You don't have to afford a season ticket. You don't even have to come to the game if you can't. As long as you're contributing to the community, if you're engaging on the forums, if you're supporting in the way you best can, you could be a Red Patch. 
you know, do you want to come down and cheer with us? Yeah, come do it. I, I think the more the merrier. I love when there are people in our section, but if you appreciate watching the match from a different part of the stadium, perhaps you have a family or, you know, someone who needs to sit during the games. Again, watch where you are most comfortable, but everyone of course is welcome in the stadium, welcome in their stands. And as long as you are a part of the red patch community, you can watch the game any way you see fit. Uh, but obviously from my perspective, I'd love for you to lend your voice to our section. So we're loud and proud. Uh, Peter, any, any thoughts on that one? I agree. Um, we have a lot of members that are um, around the whole stadium. They're not all in 111. They're not in 111 or 112 or even even anywhere in the south. Some people are on the side. They like to see that center center field view. It's perfect. Or even in the second floor on the, uh, the 200 level, and there's uh, some members there. Um, being a member of Red Patch Boys or even being a member of uh, U Sector or even Kings or um block 114 or even uh tribal nations it's not just to be sitting in the south that's it's a perk of course there's many other perks uh, red patch boys uh, offer there is uh rpd uh swag that we have we have some shirts we have some scarves that are only for rpp members only so now outside member uh people can purchase um there is also supporter only events so if you're a member of the same uh, supporter, like let's say RPB, you'll be able to attend those part, uh, events. At the beginning of the year, I know a few people were asking, oh, why were we not able to go to that Bernadeski and Strong John uh, bar event? Well, you weren't a member of a supporter group. So that was just something, uh, it was like a thank you from front office to the supporters and for us to show our support to our new signing and as well as one of our fan favorites. And as well as many other different perks, uh, RPB has another perk with uh, kids getting on the field. This year we have it again. So listen to whoever's members out there or whoever non-members out there, if you want to join, we do have a perk this year. Uh, this year again, we're bringing it back. RPB kids walk out with the players at the end of the year, near the end of the year. So more information will be on the forums coming up in the next week or two. Can I walk out with one of the players? Yeah, you got to be age of five to eight or maybe even nine, and you can't be taller than the players. So, sorry, Lorenzo. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's one of the great perks uh, out there that we have, uh, and as well as many other things. That's also banner painting events. We're also going to have a few. We're hoping to have like a tailgate party soon when the, sun, when the weather gets a little bit better, because not with the weather that's going on right now. And uh, many other things, for sure. Awesome. Love that. So thank you for that question, Buff. Uh, next question. Uh, uh, do you want to try and say this name? Can, can you A-E-K Otis? Is that Nick Cotis, maybe? It could be. It could be. A-E-K Otis. Yeah, maybe it is. I know Nick Cotis. Uh, uh, he's one of our members out there. Maybe it's not him. So sorry about that if it's not you. Um, he did ask a question to us is, does the new playoff format help us out as a playoff team despite our record and play? Well, if we don't make it to the playoffs this year, I really would question our team. Um, they moved it up to nine teams can make it out of the 15 that we have in the East. Let me let me do a quick – I'm going to do the quick Wikipedia read here. So, again, this is this is new. So, as of 2023 – the new playoff system is that top nine teams from the Eastern Conference, the top nine teams from the Western Conference, of which there are, of course, 15 of each. So a lot of people are making the playoffs. <laughs> There's It starts off with a wild card round, then into conference yeah. semifinals, conference finals, and then the MLS Cup. Each of those are single match elimination rounds, while the conference quarterfinals is a best of three series with higher seeds hosting the odd numbered game with no reseeding at any point. A penalty shootout is used if the teams are still tied in all games, while extra time divided into two 50-minute periods are utilized for the conference semifinals and onwards. So the top seven teams are each given a bye to the conference quarterfinals, 
The teams ranked eight through nine in each conference compete in a wild card round with the winner advancing to the conference quarterfinals to face the top seed. Then the winners of the first round series advance to the conference semifinals. Winners of the round play in the conference finals, which is then followed up by the MLS Cup. Uh, and that's actually hosted by the finalist with the best regular season record. It's convoluted. It's complicated. I don't like the three series game. It's just them trying to make more money, which is, you know, a big FU to front offices all around the league. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a lot. Does that help us? I think it does. A lot of people are making the playoffs. If you are not in the top 18 teams in this league, don't even worry about it. Don't buy the ticket. Don't fly anywhere. It's gonna be a heartbreak. Uh, but no, if we if we get well seated, you know you're you're positioned to do well. You you get more home games in that three off series. So as much as we want the regular season to mean something, seeding will be really really important. So um, in short, I would say, does it help us out? Yeah. Would it have not helped us if it hadn't changed? You know, I'm still a big believer that if you're in the top four, you're going to do well. Uh, I think it was um, our, our president uh, that that said, uh, Brad said that uh, no team seated, was it five or below, has ever made it to an MLS Cup final. So history is not on the side of bad teams. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I just noticed you are wearing an MLS Cup sweater. Did you do that on purpose? Look at you. It's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite sweaters. The theme is 2017, 2023. Can we replicate yeah. it? Um, okay. Third question. A YDM underscore 46 says thoughts on Coelho so far and his potential. Also changes of him. Oh, I mean, sorry. Also chances of him being a success. So he signed a new contract with the first team from TFC2. Early days. Early, early days. If you look at the, you know, um, the Noble Akellos of the world, of the... Akinola. Akinola's hung around still. But think oh. of how many players we, we see, you know, move on from the first team within the first 12 months. Hell, we're going to be playing one of them next game we're going to talk about in a minute. Oh, so... Yeah. Um, Thoughts so far, exciting potential in the midfield. There's a reason he got brought up. Uh, it remains to be seen. Uh, what are the chances of it being a success? Well, Bradley's only getting older. So odds are high that he might have a position to play in soon. Yeah, I agree. And it's looking like our midfield's looking a little bit younger now. Jay Coelho, yeah. we have Serenia. We've got uh, also Mark Anthony Kay and... Uh, we have Kosi Thompson. Got a few couple of young players coming in. Hopefully they get the minutes in to get acquainted with the team. And if Bradley ever needs to get a little rest or if God forbid there's an injury, Cervania can drop into that spot and then we have an opening for our two other uh, midfields. So we're not running through them because we do have the Leagues Cup. We've got US Open in the summer. Uh, sorry, not US Open. Uh, Gold Cup. Leagues Cup, and as well as the season, pretty much only taking a break for a certain amount of time. So these players are going to be playing a lot of games this summer. So it's good to have a couple more young players that are actually have some potential in it. Yeah, well, thank goodness Insignia is getting all his rest in now for a big playoff push. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, thank you for the question there. And then the last one, which I, I think we get sent every single week. We're not going to answer it. I'm sorry. It's not about Brad Bradley moving on. I'm not going to talk about it, guys. Give, give Come up with a better question, and we'll put it on the pod. We promise. <laughs> um, cool. So then we move on to our poll. Instagram poll of the week was, are these draws a good thing or a bad thing based on our injuries and absentees of national team duties? The poll ended up dead even 50-50. So, Peter, you and I are going to right now decide where it ends up. In your opinion, do you think it's a good thing or bad thing, these draws so far this season? I would say a good thing, just looking at 2017. 
All right. So he's, he's fallen back in 2017. I'm going to agree and say it's a good thing because every point counts. The end of the season, points earned is better than points dropped. So I'll take it. We're going to say that this is a good thing so far. Will the DC and Charlotte game come back to bite us in the ass later? I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. So um, you might hear a very different opinion at Cameron down the road. I typically like to flip-flop based on how the game goes per week. But for now, points are always a good thing. Um, now, looking at a larger sample size, we've been talking a lot about 2017 being this amazing year of winning the MLS Cup after starting one win, four draws, and one loss. Of course, you mentioned earlier we went on to win seven games and have one tie after that to, to create the base of the season. And we are in the formative months of this season. We're only uh, six games in. So if we look at the past the one, two, three, five years since then, we've gone in 2018, which was the hangover year, one, one, and four. So one win, one draw, and four <laughs> losses. We started poor. And, you know, we, we took a while to get going. Fast forward to 2019, we leapt out to a very good start. Four wins, one draw, and one loss. And then it starts to get a bit of a mixed bag. 2021, one win, two draws, three losses. 2022 was very poetic because we were 2-2-2. Two, two, and two. two wins, two draws, and two losses. And now 2023, one, four, and one. Looking at that, there's not a lot I can draw out of it, except for the fact that you can look at some of the teams we played. Um, the 4-1-1 and one start in 2019 had four home games. So clearly back then, we were hard to beat at home. But if we look at the past two years now where it's been 50-50, it's a bit of a mixed bag. 2-2-2 two, two, and two, I wouldn't really complain about. One, four, and one. Especially mm -hmm. last year, we didn't have a lot of players. We didn't have a lot True. of our key players. We didn't have Larea, we didn't have Bernadeski, we didn't have Insigne. I think it was a brand new team almost in 2022. So looking back, I was like, I was shocked. When I looked at that stat, I was like, oh man. And we were all pissed off with how we started last year. And I'm like, hmm, two, two, we, and two. We Not were excited bad. about some things, right? Like we thought Bono played well at times, but that's because he was probably the only one doing anything on the pitch. And then, of course, that really petered out. And we went on to have an absolutely terrible season, right? So if anyone's really complaining right now, I see you in the group chats, everyone who's literally setting things on fire. I don't know what you do when you text into the group chat. Are you like, throwing things against the wall in your own home? Because I can feel the anger and frustration in your posts. But ah, this is a small sample size. Like, let's 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 have some fun with predictions. Let's maybe hope for the best. But I look at this, I can't garnish anything out of it. It's just, are we getting better each game? I like to think defensively, we are getting a bit better. Offensively, there's still ways to go. But it's our ability to, to not give up leads that will make us win this season. Because we're getting the lead, it's just not keeping it. So, um that's a fun little exercise. I can't pull anything from it because I'm, I'm yeah. not very good at, at my the job. At the start but... of the season, a lot of us at the start of the season, a lot of us were talking. We were happy with the first, like with especially the new defensive five in the back working together for the first time. We were hoping for like a two, three, and one start or a three, two, and one start. We were hoping at least like two wins or three wins and two, three ties with one loss. We've sort of accomplished that. Except this isn't horseshoes, Peter. It's not horseshoes. Close doesn't count. You can't hey, say, oh, well, you know, Charlotte, we're pretty Charlotte, close. If we, had, if we had won the Charlotte game, it would have been two, three, and one, and we would have been in the spot that we wanted to be in at the beginning of the season. So, and with, and who would have thought with all the injuries that we've had, there's still only one loss. Only, I think there's only two teams in the whole MLS that have zero losses. It's uh, Cincinnati, which I'm shocked with. Sorry, three yeah. uh, three. Even Cincinnati's shocked at that one. <laughs> and Minnesota also haven't lost yet. And LAFC, which is good yeah. for them. But then there's a bunch, there's a handful of teams that are one loss only. So the teams above us, a lot of them have two losses or even three losses. We're sitting in a good spot because we've tied a lot of games. So we haven't, we've lost two points, but we've 
got one at least. So hopefully it doesn't bite us in the butt with uh, a few points. So it's nine teams to the playoffs. So come on, we got to make it. Yeah. Hey, in the long term, we're sitting ninth in a playoff spot. So <laughs> if the season ended right now, <laughs> against, we've made playoffs. Against Philly. Against Philly. <laughs> so hey, it's a positive. Um, okay, so then let's 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 wrap this this episode up. Let's go into uh, next game. We are away to Nashville, heading down to Tennessee against uh, a team sitting with three wins, one loss, and two draws. Oh, sorry, I read that wrong. Uh, three wins, one draw, and two losses. Uh, last week they uh, they won two 0 versus Orlando after losing two in a row. So. A little bit of a roller coaster team right now. I, I think they're probably a good home team versus an away team. I'd have to look back and see where they had their wins, but uh, a bit of a, a homecoming for uh, I mean, homecoming because it's in Nashville. But we're gonna have a bit of a reunion with our boy uh, Ben McClellan, aka Jacob Schaffelberg. Uh, prediction on this one, Peter. What's gonna happen? for this game i'm really hope i i, I don't want to say but i'm really hoping for like a one one tie yeah i'm hoping for a one one tie that's with a bernadette goal for sure <laughs> you're banking on the easy bet <laughs> hey uh, we, we, we are not sponsored the, by a betting company but we will always hedge hedge our bets with a, a bernadette goal here um and his odds are pretty high up there for a goal i checked them out it's pretty high up there, so why not? <laughs> we are not sponsored. We do not encourage gambling. Please do not gamble if your children are listening. And again, apologies again for, for the swearing at the beginning of the episode. Um, I will have to put uh, foul language on the uh, the update this time. Uh, okay, okay, yeah, it's a good, pretty good, uh, pretty good bet there. Uh, I know we uh, we are missing uh, some of our fellow podcasters tonight, so I just wanted to uh, to to let them speak, although they're not here. We have uh, David Oliveira predicting a loss i know he, he he chooses not to be in the podcast when he has bad news a road loss to nashville he claims 2-1 uh no no mention of, of goal scoring but we're going to assume he assumes bernadette scores the alone <laughs> goal for tfc and heartbreak if uh if schaffelberg scores against us and i don't think he celebrates i think he's a classy classy kid he's not going to celebrate if he does hey hey Come it's a group on. of us going over there in Toronto. A lot of us from Toronto are going over. Are you going down, Peter? You're going to go to the game. I, I'm not. I I have some other... Uh, it's Easter weekend, so it's kind of tough for me to go down. But there is a big group of uh, people going from all all the different groups from South End. We have a group of, I think, 12 people from RPB going. Um, I think it's a good handful or more from the Block 114. There's a few people from King, so... It's gonna be a good showing from Toronto for sure. Uh, Nashville's a fun city. I spent uh, I spent a full week there in July when I started my new job. A lot of honky tonk. A lot of honky tonk. My and my one my one tip: anyone who goes down, go on to Broadway, have a good time. You know, enjoy yourself. Go to the Gulch, eat good food. Uh, but if you're in one honky tonk, wherever you are. Kid Rocks, you know, Aldine's, wherever, wherever the hell you, Toby Keith's, wherever it's called, wherever you end up, it's fine. Go there. Honky Tonk Central is where I spent most of my time, if you want to go where I went. Uh, don't go somewhere else, because if you go somewhere else, the band might not have played the 10 or 15 popular songs you just heard, and then you're going to hear the exact same songs again done by a different person. So, fair warning, you're going to hear a lot of the same songs, because people request a lot of the same songs. Um, but I hope someone requests Depeche Mode. Just can't get enough. Come on. Someone Ooh, someone go down there and song. Venmo the, the musician. 100%. Uh, but hey, I'm, I'm glad they're going there and taking over. Um, from my prediction, my prediction is that TFC grind out a 1-1 draw. I'm riding this draw wave. I think we're going to get at least a goal. Our defense can hold it down. Um, Sean Johnson's got a horseshoe in his butt, and he's really good. So I, I really think there's a chance that we draw out another point here. I can't commit to us scoring more than one goal, and I can't you know, say we'll probably have a clean sheet. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. 
I know, boring, lame, but guess what? I'm allowed. So with that, I like to think we've uh, tried to cover up as much as we could over you know a couple of games there. Um, looking forward to the boys going down to Nashville this weekend, playing in their concrete and white, I assume, for some stupid reason. Um, but uh, let's fingers crossed for a red uh, victory. And uh, Peter, any closing words for the pod? Um, just a, a heads up from the last pod that we had. Uh, we've had uh, some great, great scarves come in. Um, our poll is almost ending in another two days. Whenever this, it will be ending on the weekend of Easter. So if you haven't voted yet for your membership scarf, please go in, uh, vote, because the orders for both the membership scarf and as well as the Bernadeschi Player of the Year for RPB scarves will be going on sale next week i'm gonna vote right now and because i haven't done that yet and that is under the members lounge yes sir. click on that one and it is the very top poll 2023 membership scarf design poll and i'm gonna vote right now so with that go in vote for the scarf that design you like the most uh let your fingerprints and voting democratic power create the best possible scarf for what could be a repeat of 2017 just based on our initial six games and that's a very bold statement so with that we'll come to an end i want to thank you peter for joining me on the pod to our fellow podcasters with us without us and behalf of the podcast the rest on behalf of the red patch boys podcast uh, as we say come on you guys.